You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Election monitors say Kenyan presidential voting went off without hacking. The losing opposition disagrees. Germany looks towards securing September's vote. North Korea receives cyber attention from somewhere in the civilized world. Ukraine's postal service sustains a two-day DDoS attack. There's WannaCry and NotPetya's pseudo-ransomware fallout. Spyware-infected apps are found in the Google Play Store. And Mr. Smith comes to Midtown, and he wants a raise. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, August 10th, 2017. For all of you thinking hard about election hacking, here's a Sherlock Holmesian dog that didn't bark. EU observers who were monitoring Kenya's presidential election say that the contest appears to have been conducted without vote tally manipulation. Incumbent Uhuru Kenyatta seems to be the winner, but opposition leader Odinga says the results were cooked. The country's electoral commission has said that the voter database was targeted by hackers, but unsuccessfully, and that voting proceeded without illicit manipulation. Neither the EU observers nor the Electoral Commission's statements are likely to mollify the opposition, which is disputing the results. Do note that most election hacking has involved influence operations, not directly finagling with the count. The next big event on the election hacking scene, and yes, we're looking at you, cozy and fancy, will be the German federal elections set for September 24th. German authorities have for some time been on alert for Russian interference. So, feel Glück, Germany, and best wishes for a clean vote. Reports continue that North Korean targets have been infected with Connie and Inexmar espionage tools. The incidents are not attributed, but speculation inevitably centers on the likelihood that the cyber attacks have been prompted by Pyongyang's increasingly aggressive and threatening missile and nuclear weapons programs. The civilized world is uneasy, to say the least, with the regime's very disturbing talk and even more disturbing demonstration of nuclear and ballistic missile capabilities. North Korea's news agency has promised that a plan to destroy Guam, which Pyongyang calls a nest of American air pirates, will be presented to Supreme Leader and great successor Kim Jong-un next week. Now, to be sure, Pyongyang does say a lot of stuff, but possession of nuclear weapons, and quite possibly the means to deliver them over long distances, leads people to take the things the Kim regime says with greater seriousness than they otherwise might. Thus, it would be surprising if the North Korean regime were not being subjected to the attentions of foreign intelligence services, 
to which thinking people can only say, good hunting. Ukraine's postal service on Monday and Tuesday came under a sustained distributed denial of service attack. Package tracking was particularly disrupted. Investigation is in its early stages. Rapid7 does some self and sector examination on its look at the second quarter of 2017. The security company says its honeypots indicated that something was brewing after the shadow brokers dumped external blue exploits in April. WannaCry and NotPetya, of course, hit in May and June, respectively. Their success was in some ways surprising, given their attack against known vulnerabilities, but effective patch management can be surprisingly difficult. So hindsight makes it appear obvious that something big was up, but then hindsight will do that. Another point Rapid7 makes is that criminals generally maintained their usual activity, while the good guys were focused on the large, splashy, and disruptive WannaCry and NotPetya, the bad guys were going about their usual petty larceny, too. Security experts at Venify have taken a look at what went wrong with MEDOC, the patient zero of NotPetya. They offer three bits of advice as well. First, every machine must have a unique identity. Second, make sure your software is code signed. And third, machine credentials must be expertly defended. They think Intellect Service, ME Doctor's vendor, fell short in all three areas. A survey by the security company Tripwire finds that more than two-thirds of security personnel think their enterprises remain inadequately protected against a repeat run of these pseudo-ransomware attacks. We've got a lot of technical terms and buzzwords in cybersecurity, to the point where it can be hard to know for sure what someone is really talking about when they're describing, say, a phishing attack. Marcus Jacobson is chief scientist at Agari, a company that helps protect against phishing attacks. They've come up with a threat taxonomy to help standardize the way we describe attacks. So I spoke with vendors out there and customers of these vendors and a lot of people in general trying to understand what are they concerned with. And the first things that came out of their mouths were things like phishing and hacking. And then I um, drilled a little bit deeper and I realized that they were not at all concerned about phishing or hacking. They might be concerned about targeted attacks such as business email compromise. They might be concerned with ransomware attacks. They just did not have a meaningful terminology to express their concerns, which of course is not their fault. It's, it's our fault, the industry as such, for not providing a terminology that is meaningful in terms of explaining what you want to achieve. And you, you use an analogy comparing it to a doctor. Right. Assume that you go to a doctor and you can only say pain and hurt, right? Or something like that. Uh, no matter what your uh, ailment is, this is not going to be helpful. You, you might have a toothache. Uh, I might come there with pain in my leg and somebody else has cramp in their back. And the doctor is going to give us all the same treatment. Uh, of course, that is... Um, it's idiotic, um, and it would not uh, occur to anybody that that would be a meaningful way of approaching a doctor's visit. But that is what we're doing collectively to security these days. We're calling everything phishing, we're calling everything hacking, and we forget the nuances. So give me an example of a, of a common attack and how it would be categorized within your taxonomy. So business email compromise is one increasingly common attack. And the way it normally uh, starts is that the attacker finds out information about 
your organization. They know the org chart or they know a couple of names within the organization. And now they send an email that appears to come from one of them to another one. And the way they performs this identity deception, about half the time is using spoofing. And the other half of the time, pretty much is using display name deception. And, and so then they are trying to using business as usual language request information. So if you get an email from your boss saying, you know, I need the W-2s as a result of them responding and sending uh, W-2s, now the attacker has W-2s for employees, which means that the attacker can file taxes. So in this case, um, if you're looking at the sender, typically it's about display name or it's spoofing. So if um, an organization wants to address this threat, um, they would know that um, since it's a con at the same time and there are no uh, countermeasures that address cons by per se, they would have to look at the um, ways in which identity deception takes place. If they already have DMARC in place, that's great. Now it's only the display name aspect that they need to nail down. And so it gives you a recipe for what's next. Uh, once they know what their solutions are, and what these do, then they can go out and say, well, where can we shut this down? And typically it's at the uh, identity deception part. That's Marcus Jacobson from Agari. You can find out more about their cyber threat taxonomy at their website. Surfwatch published an analysis in IT Pro Portal that says the big story in cybercrime so far this year has been the extent to which such crime has been fueled by leaked government exploits. The security firm thinks this is likely to continue, and it offers three general pieces of advice to companies as they brace for more attacks. First, continuously monitor for relevant external threats. Second, have a structured way of prioritizing threats and taking meaningful action. And third, follow best practice and risk assessment recommendations. The third recommendation looks obvious, but as Surfwatch's Adam Meyer acidly observes in the IT Pro Portal piece, if the U.S. intelligence community had paid more attention to advice about internal threats, we might not be in the exploit pickle we find ourselves. Researchers at security company Lookout announced today that they've discovered approximately a thousand spyware apps infesting Google's Play Store. Lookout says the apps belong to the Sonic Spy family, which began deployment in February of this year. Google has removed some of the apps after Lookout alerted Mountain View to the problem. Sonic Spy is thought to be related to SpyNote malware, possibly descending from it by automated build processes. The hackers behind the malware are believed to be located in Iraq. To take one of the more prominent bad apps Lookout has discerned, the one called Soniac is marketed as a messaging app and does appear to provide some messaging functionality through a customized version of Telegram. But its malicious components include, as Lookout says, quote, the ability to silently record audio, take photos with the camera, make outbound calls, send text messages to attacker specified numbers, and retrieve information such as call logs, contacts, and information about Wi-Fi access points, end quote. The extortionist Mr. Smith, claiming responsibility for the HBO hack, has escalated his or her or their game by releasing mobile phone numbers and email addresses belonging to Game of Thrones stars Lena Headley, Peter Dinklage, and Amelia Clark. The hackers are also said to have released emails from HBO Vice President Leslie Cohen. 
Mr. Smith threatens a bigger release today if his demands for a six-month salary, thought to be between $6 million and $7.5 million, are not met. Mr. Smith has also said that he will only deal with Richard, presumably HBO chairman and CEO Richard Pepler. So far, no word on further developments, but there are a few hours left in August 10th as we speak. And as we know, winter is coming. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Jonathan, welcome back. Uh, we had a story come by from uh, Security Affairs and uh, was talking about a side channel attack on uh, some RSA encryption. They were claiming that they can crack 1024-bit RSA encryption. Uh, bring us up to date here. What's going on? So this is an example of a side channel attack where basically uh, the attacker is using information uh, that they're obtaining by watching the execution of the algorithm, uh, say if they have a virus running on the same machine that the algorithm is executing on, and by looking at uh, very small differences in the timing that various parts of the algorithm take, it turns out that it's possible to extract bits of information uh, that allow them to recover the secret key for 1024-bit RSA, as you say. And uh, one of your colleagues at the University of Maryland had a hand in this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, actually, uh, Daniel Genkin is one of the co-authors of the paper describing this work, and he's currently a postdoc, uh, splitting his time, actually, working with me at the University of Maryland uh, and also working with uh, Professor Nadia Henninger at the uh, uh, University of Pennsylvania. So how big a deal is this? Is this uh, just, how big a threat is this? Is something to be taken seriously or is this more of a, an academic kind of thing? Well, I, it's a little bit mixed, actually. So it's, it's something to be taken seriously from the point of view that there are actually deployed products, uh, in particular the uh, GNU-PG, 
uh, crypto library that uh, are, are vulnerable to this attack. And they've uh, ended up patching their system and, and fixing the bug that led to this attack. So uh, they, they certainly took it seriously. On the other hand, the uh, conditions that an attacker would need in order to carry out this attack are pretty severe. And like I said earlier, the attacker would be uh, basically have to be running on the same machine that the uh, cryptography was being executed on, which is, which you know, if that's the case, if you have an attacker running on your machine, you probably have bigger problems to worry about. But so there are some specific concerns when it comes to cloud computing. Yeah, that's right. When you're implementing cryptography in the cloud, you might have actually different uh, users' programs being run on the same physical machine. And it's potentially possible in that case that an attacker running on the same machine as an honest user uh, would be able to uh, get the information that's needed to carry out this attack in that case as well. All right. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.